0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you for another day. Thank you for your excellent provision uh, in all that uh, all that you have given us in uh, in the time that we had together, in the, the word that you have given us, and in the grace and mercy that you pour out upon us, that you have given us the truth, you've given us the ability to know the truth. Thank you, Lord. You are the truth. Open our hearts to it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me just a minute. <coughs> okay, y'all didn't hear that. <clears throat> I don't know if I can just get it done. <clears throat> Well, maybe I'll do this one. Okay, a little is that better? All right. Okay, we're nothing but professionals here. Now, there have uh, there's been a lot of debate, and I don't suppose it's really new. We think it's new, but. It's really as old as humanity, but we seem to have a lot of trouble with the nature of truth, and we, we debate what it is. Some people would like to, to believe that truth is whatever you want it to be, just whatever you think it is. But nobody really believes that. You know, and I love to use that tire little example. If truth is whatever we think it is, then uh, let me borrow your car. I'd like to go somewhere. No problem with that, right? If I believe I can do it, then I can do it. Well, no. Faced with a situation like that, we come to realize quickly, no, just because somebody believes something true does not make it true. But it's really and it's really a self-conflicting statement because uh, one of the first questions you can ask somebody who tells you that well there's no such thing as truth, well is that statement true? Well, if that statement if that statement's true, then uh, there, there must be some things that are true. But we now see the fruit of that attitude because that philosophy now has has borne fruit and the fruit is rotten because now anything that you think you are, anything that you uh, say you are, people have to take it for the truth whether it's true or not. We have all kinds of crazy things going on in our society because, because of it. But truth is by nature absolute. Now, obviously, you know, there's some things that we don't know. We're, we, we're not sure what the truth is. That, but because we don't know the truth doesn't mean that it's not true. It just means that we don't know it. And then there is that truth that we choose not to know because it's not convenient. Or because it is, uh, uh, it, it's not, it goes against what we want. Goes against what we want to think. Uh, goes against how we want to live. So we just uh, we just decided we're not going to believe that. But truth is necessary. Truth is the connection to reality that makes our world work. You know, people who 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 speak of science, science doesn't exist without truth. If you can't prove anything, then there's no such thing. The whole idea behind it and the whole reason why things work is because we live in an ordered world that God created. And the reason why you can study things and prove things is because truth exists. If there's no such thing as truth, nothing can be proven. But we know something. As Christians, we know the primary source of truth. We know that he spoke creation into existence and everything that is true is because the truth created it. He defines what truth is. And only by knowing that truth can we find life. When we believe lies, we do things that violate the truth. And we live in a world then of, of deception, where reality is warped, where reality is offered, is altered, rather. We think we can offer reality, but there's only one can do that. And we live in a world then where nothing and no one can be trusted. We have become slaves and slaves of a terrible master, and only the truth will set us free. And it's with that context that we continue our study in the book of John today. Uh, it, with, uh, with chapter 8, we'll be starting with verse, really going to kind of cover the rest of the chapter, but focus will be on, on the first, on the 31 through 36 there. Um, but the conversation continues between Jesus and and the people there in the temple. Jesus has been teaching during and after the the Feast of Tabernacles. He has referred to himself, as we sang about today, as the the source of, of true living water, as the light of the world, as the one sent from and witnessed by the Father through his word. as the one whom his accusers do not know and cannot know because they resist the truth. He has contrasted the worldly with the heavenly. And he has said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And it it tells us then in verse 30, where we wound up last week, that some people believed and then we start today with, uh, with Jesus addressing those who believe, but I've always found that a little bit confusing, because as we follow this conversation, if anything, it's even more hostile than it's been up to this point. So what in the world did they believe? They obviously didn't really believe, or, or, or this conversation would not have taken place. Because he now turns to these people who have believed something about him and continues this conversation. And I'm just going to read the first six verses, but then we're going to kind of talk about some of the other things that, that uh, transpired here at, through the last half of this chapter. But starting in verse 31, and I'm reading out of the, uh, the Legacy Standard Bible, if you want to match it up to whatever you've got in your hand. Um, so starting in verse 31 so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him if you abide in my word and you are truly my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will make you free they answered him we are Abraham's seed and have never been slaves to anyone never been enslaved to anyone How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. And the slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. So he's he's addressing now these who have believed at least something of what he said. Some suppose that it must have been other people who were uh, within his hearing that picked up this conversation because of of how it turns as we go forward. Uh, Because what follows doesn't seem to make any sense uh, if it's a conversation with believers. But the, the text doesn't make any distinction. So then, that leads to the question: leads to the question, of well, what? in the world is it that they believed? Uh, did they maybe believe that he was going to be the, the the Messiah that they had sought for? If so, they didn't really understand what that was. Obviously, they didn't believe he was God. That becomes very important, uh, uh, obvious as we continue forward. Because had they understood the scriptures. They would have known. There is one implication, though, that, that I will draw from this that uh, that seems apparent from the rest of the Scripture, and it's not something that we teach because it's uncomfortable, but it's the truth. The implication here is that simple belief, though we've just read that it's essential that unless you believe, you're going to die in your sins, but. You don't stop there. It's it's, it's good to believe. James chapter 2 verse 19 says you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So yeah, you need to believe. But then you need to do something with that belief. A few verses later in verse 26, James says... For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. No, your works don't save you. We teach that clearly. But they do, in part, serve as evidence of who you really are. True disciples, then, he goes on to uh, to describe. And he says, if you abide in my life, that word there, we, you know, we talk about abiding in something, we, it means that's where we live. That's 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 what we breathe, that's who we are. And it says when you do that, you're gonna to come to know the truth. Yes, you're gonna to come to know the truth that's embodied in that word, but you're also going to come to know the truth that is Jesus Christ. And that's is what sets you free, yeah. and so they pick up this this thread and, and they and they say, uh, "Well, we've we're children of Abraham. We've never been anybody's slaves." Well, it's kind of strange that they would say that because, uh, first of all, the children of Israel came out of. Now they might have been talking about themselves personally, but as, as certainly as a nation. Their former slavery in Egypt is the centerpiece, if you will, of the redemption story of of Israel and and, and the exodus. You know, we've all seen the Ten Commandments. That's, you know, that's their story. And they were brought out of slavery in Egypt. And they were then conquered and enslaved by a series of nations after that. uh, because of their sin, because they wouldn't stay true to the Lord, and and now though they're not technically classified as slaves, they are in subjection to to, uh, to the Roman government. But Jesus here is not really speaking of the physical; he's speaking in spiritual terms. And so you know, their claim then, uh, well, we're you know, we're descendants of Abraham. We've got God's promise. We don't need to be concerned. We're good. But Jesus, a little bit later, as we if we move a few verses past the verse uh, thirty-nine, Jesus says this: If you were Abraham's children, you would do the deeds of Abraham, because Abraham's children are those of the promise. They are those by faith. you read Romans chapter 4 and get a a bigger picture of that, or we can go over to Galatians 3.29 where it reads, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Heirs according to promise. It is always and will always be about faith. And then he says, you're enslaved. He basically says here, you're enslaved to sin. You're enslaved to sin. And sin brings bondage. And we know this. We see it played out all around us. We see it in our own struggles in our own lives because we all have areas where we fall. It might be addiction. It might be the guilt that comes from knowing that you're sinning. It might be the hopelessness that comes with 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 being aware of that or feeling like you can't get out of it. And what typically happens is you spiral down, it leads to more and more. But Jesus gives us the ability to be free. Romans chapter six talks about that. He is it's by his power and by his blood. But it does require that we make a choice. And he goes on to give them a, a bit of a warning here in verse 35. He says, you know, a, a slave has no permanence. A slave ha- has no inheritance in the family. Uh, he has, has no, no certainty about what's coming next. But, but the son is the heir. And if the son decides to set you free, he's got the right to do that. He has the right of inheritance. He has the right to grant it freedom. And this son in particular embodies the truth. And the truth will make you free. And not only that, not only free but an heir to the same promises that he has promised. I don't even, that just blows me away every time I think about it. I even question it every time I think about it. Is that really what you said? Well, yeah, look over in Romans, that's what he said. Joint heirs with Jesus. Wow. What that looks like, I can't really comprehend. Him being God and all. But, uh, but I look forward to finding out, don't you? The conversation then turns because he is. They they now turn to the the issue of okay because the things that Jesus is saying, uh, well, God's our Father. We're free because God is our Father. But Jesus said, "No, your father, who your father is, is evidenced by what you act like." It's evidenced by your motivation. Is said, you're looking to kill me? That's not something that Father, that that, that Heavenly Father does. And he says your your word has my word has no place in you. You can't hear it. Verse forty three and verse seven. You're not able to hear it. But I'm speaking the truth. And if God's not your father, guess what? There's only one other choice. Now, obviously, he's not talking biology here. He's talking spiritual. But if if God's not your father, there's only one choice left. He says, if God were your father, you would love me. in In verse 42. And then in 44, you are your father, the devil. And He goes on to talk about, you know, he's the father of lies. It's where we get the, that's why we call Satan the father of lies. Comes from this verse. And so then, the final challenge as we kind of wrap up this chapter, as uh, he he says this in verse fifty one, he says, truly, truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. And so now they're really sure he's, hes the, you know, they're saying you, they, they've accused you of having a demon. And they're going to do it here again. Uh, in our world, we wouldn't say you have a demon. We'd say you're crazy. It was kind of, that, you know, they would attribute that to you know, demonic, demonic possession. Sometimes I think it still is, but that's another story for another time. Uh, but that's that would be the equivalent of what, what we might say today. Everybody does, right? And again, Jesus is speaking in in spiritual terms. He's speaking in terms of eternity. And he says again in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. In 57, they're taunting him again. They're saying, You're not even 50 years old. You've seen Abraham... But this time, you know they're not. You know, it, it, this has become uh, this has become kind of a kind of like the TV shows you see today, where nobody's really trying to do anything, not actually trying to have a debate. They're trying to score points on each other uh, and not actually get to the truth. But then Jesus, if we and we've seen this over and over again, but I want to read verse fifty-eight because it makes it unequivocal. We can't doubt what Jesus is saying here because he said to them truly truly I say to you before Abraham was I am and, of course, and they know exactly what he's saying because they have now picking up rocks to throw at him we don't know how he got away but he got away because it wasn't his time yet and that wasn't the method by which he was, he was to die but what do we take from this? True discipleship. True discipleship, he says, is to abide in his word. To, in other, to live and breathe it. Now, obviously, to do so, we got to know it. <laughs> but it's one thing to know it. you got atheists running around that know it. But unless we do it, then we can't be called disciples. In fact, it'd be better in that case if we didn't know. There's another place uh, in Luke, and I don't remember the chapter off the top of my head, where he says uh, he's talking, you know, in, in human terms, in earthly terms. But he says, you know, uh, a slave that, that disobeys his master and, and that didn't know any better, uh, well, he'll get a lighter punishment than somebody that knew better and did it anyway it's better if you don't even know than if you're going to know and not do. Because if you know and you choose not to do, there's another word for that. It's called rebellion. And God's not real fond of it. In fact, he equates it, uh, to him it's just the same as if you were practicing witchcraft. Second Samuel 15, uh, verses 22 and 23, reading in part. Has uh, Yahweh as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Yahweh? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as of the sin of divination, and insubordination as wickedness and idolatry. I don't know, I don't want to stand before the Lord in rebellion. He says, You will know the truth. Where do we find the truth? Well, Jesus says, in the prayer in John chapter 17, he says, Your word is truth. That is, yes, Jesus in his in himself, but also the things that God has said, the things that God has given us, the things that he's told us, said to us. And uh, we have it, we have it written down for us in the Bible. But then he also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14:6. And the truth will make you free. No longer in bondage to those things that are going to wreck your life. Freed by the blood of the lamb. Because sin tells us those lies that enslave us. Sin tells us things like, well, nobody will know. But we all know that nothing's hidden forever. It eventually comes out. And even if nobody here ever finds it out, nothing's ever hidden from God. Sometimes sin lies to us and says, I deserve this. I've been good. I got more on the good side than on the bad side. It's all right. I've served God all my life. I can have it a little bit my way. I've earned some spiritual reward points. I want to use them. I'm going to spend them on myself. But I want you to think about this from Ezekiel chapter 33, 13. It says, When I say to the righteous man, he will surely live. And he so trusts in his righteousness that he does... Iniquity, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered, but in that same iniquity of which he has done, he will die. Now, you can argue, well, that's the Old Testament. God's not like that anymore. Folks, God hasn't changed. Yes, Jesus paid for our sins. And yes, you can be forgiven. But you don't, you get forgiven when you repent. Now, or sometimes it says to us, well, it's really God's fault. I mean, he, he didn't do what I thought he ought to do, so I you know, I, I don't really feel I'm getting to do what I'm supposed to do. Or or he gets the blame for something bad that happened to us. And and, and I've fallen into this trap. What? He, I mean he's Almighty God, right? He could have made it come out different. So if he didn't make it come out different, well, that's that's, that's on him. And so you get mad and and, and you get astray and and then because I know better, then I get mad at myself for getting mad at God, and it just spirals from there. The fourth lie that sin tells us this woman, well, it's not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. Folks, it's hurting you. And we all know that it's never, you know. It's never uh, just about you. There are always those around you. It's hurting those who love you. It's hurting those who are watching what's going on. And more than that, it's hurting the one who loves you most. The one who gave his life for you. The one who has given everything to save you. Number five, and this one's gonna sound funny, but let me explain. Oh, God will forgive me. Well, yeah, He will. But He forgives you when your repentance is sincere. And does that mean you'll never fall again in that area? No. But the difference is, and I've explained this before, but it's worth saying again. The difference is between falling and jumping. If you trip and you fall and you get back up, or you reach, maybe you can't get back up. Maybe you've got to stick your hand up and say, God, take it. But you fall and you get back up and you keep going the right way and you keep walking with the Lord. But if you turn around and go the other way and jump off the edge on your own, You can't be here And God in his mercy might reach out and catch you, but you sure can't depend on it. God will forgive you. Yes, he will. But you've got to repent. You've got to turn around. You can't go on doing the same thing. The truth, yeah, he does love you. He loves you with a love that is so great that you can't even comprehend it. And sometimes we don't feel it and we doubt that it's there. Or we look at our own lives and we think, well, I can't even stand me. Why in the world would God? But he does. He loves you in word, with, with, with a love that I can't, there's no words to express it. So much that he died for you. So much that the Heavenly Father gave up his own son for you. You know anybody that would do that? Anybody? He did. And he'd do it again. So much that he would save you from your sins. Folks, my heart breaks. My heart breaks when I see people that I love trapped in these cycles of sin. Because I know that the wages of sin is death. And when we choose our own way instead of God's way, there's nothing but trouble all the way. Nothing but trouble coming from that. I can't predict when it'll happen. I can't predict what'll happen, but I know it'll happen. There's nothing but death at the end of that road, and I don't want to see you go there. This world serves up enough trouble without asking for more. Please don't ask for more. much more God loves you? The heart of God, you know. If I can say that, you know, truth is my love is pretty pet, my love is pretty weak, my love is pretty pathetic. But God's love is infinite. God's love has no end. Don't run away from it into the arms of disaster. Choose life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have given us life, that we are able to choose life because of what you did for us. Lord, help each and every one of us as we we strive to, to, to live this life in a way that pleases you. Or maybe we're not. But maybe today's the day we turn around and decide to do it. Whatever it is, Lord, wherever we are, draw us all closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.